You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Phil Mackey. This guy is absolutely elite. It's kind of like you're looking at your brother. I didn't know who had more energy. Judd Zolgad. I even hesitate to disagree with him because he's so knowledgeable and he knows way more than I ever will. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. I think we need to to, uh, dust off an oldie but a goodie here. A segment we haven't used in at least six months for a story that Matthew Collar just found on the interwebs. All right, here we go. Well, it's just about time to wrap this thing up. But before we do, Mackie and Judd will tell us why people are idiots. <laughs> ah, yes, the NFL draft reports are coming in. Go ahead. Already it started. Josh Rosen, who has a chance to go either number one or number two in the draft. This comes via the Sporting News, which apparently is still around. According to sources, that's, that's, a, that's a whole nother talker. The sporting news is still yeah, publishing stories how about huh? that. All right. According to sources who have spoken with people close to Rosen. So Wait. let's let's not even go beyond that. According to sources who have spoken with people close to Josh Rosen. So according to let's let's flush that out further. According to sources <laughs> who have spoken to yeah. sources right. close Correct. to Josh Rosen. These so are, we're third degree of separation so these sources are here. Not people who have spoken to Josh or no no no. Not people close to Josh Rosen, but people who know people who know Josh these Rosen. These are sources who have sources. Okay. Right. Doogie will be in here next for a scoop, by the way. <laughs> Continue. He has been focused since high school on using football to make money and support the type of lifestyle he wants. He's okay with challenging the system and being a mouthpiece of divisiveness because he appreciates the attention it draws. Wait, so he wants... So wait, so... So a guy who's about to be a top three pick in the NFL draft Uh wants to get paid a lot of money. Right. And might be a little bit... Com- overconfident or but something. He purposefully, according to this, the English language is just wonderful wow. when it comes to this is BS, right? Uh, I mean, this this is art right here. This is draft garbage art. He is okay with challenging the system by being a mouthpiece for divisiveness. I too am a mouthpiece for divisiveness. What does that even mean? I have no. Bleeping clue what that that means. Couldn't you just say that he's... A mouthpiece for divisiveness. Couldn't you just say that he's divisive? He's divisive? No, no, no. He is a mouthpiece for divisiveness. This is something someone actually wrote. So he's speaking on behalf of divisiveness. That doesn't mean he is divisive himself. Okay, so he's not divisive. He's just an advocate for those who may be divisive. And here's the why. Because he appreciates the attention that it draws. Okay. So he will not be divisive, but he will defend to the death your right to be divisive. Because he wants attention. According to sources who spoke to to sources who are close to Josh Rosen. When when people make fun of the sources thing, this is exactly what they mean. I mean, this is exactly like I was cleaning the toilet and heard two guys in the bathroom talking about Josh Rosen. Is that true? Also. I got accused of that one time by Ron Gardenhire. Really? He pulled me into his office. He's like. 
you I, I I know that you've been eavesdropping on conversations based on the article you just wrote. And I'm like, what? Wait a second. No, someone on your team told me this, actually. Like, no, like, pulled me aside and told me this. <laughs> He's like, well, that would never happen. And I'm like, I think uh, you should do something else. I think else. it would. Yeah. Now, since high school, so he was in uh, ninth grade, and uh, he was like, Oh, Daddy, can I learn to drive and drive to football practice to make money to support my lifestyle, Dad? This is so absurd. From like, this is such a beautiful paragraph. I'm gonna screen. I have my uh, tablet here. I'm just gonna screen grab that so I can keep it forever because that that is encompasses all the ridiculousness that is put out there by agents or whoever else. I mean, is this the Giants trying to get him to drop to number two? Right. This is where it all like. This is the month where all kinds of. This is where Teddy Bridgewater. Four years ago now, he was he went into January as the number one pick, and then all of a sudden, like, oh my God, he wears gloves and has small hands and has skinny legs, and like this is the month where he started to fall down draft boards because of not quite similar stories, but yeah. My two favorite stories on this are Pro Football Weekly put out there that Cam Newton had a disingenuous smile, so you couldn't trust him to be your franchise quarterback. Then he won the MVP and went 15-1 and one in a season back in the playoffs this year. But the smile is disingenuous. We'll give him that. I, I mean, you and I fight on Cam Newton. That's a There's a lot of reasons to poke holes in Cam Newton. Like, his smile might be a little aggressive. Um, yeah, and also, like, can he be a franchise quarterback? Whether you like him more uh, or less than me, like, if you can win the MVP of the National Football League and go 15-1, and one, you hit on your draft pick. Sure. You okay, pretty that's well. fair. If Josh Rosen at some point goes 15-1 and one and wins the NFL MVP, whoever picks him will have done a pretty good job. Uh, the other thing uh, is the Kobe Bryant story. Do you know this one? Which one? Where Kobe Bryant got together with whichever shoemaker it was. I forget. Maybe it was Nike or Adidas. And they leaked specifically to certain teams— and certain reporters to put out there that Kobe Bryant wasn't going to come to the NBA right away, that he wanted to go over and overseas and play for a few years because he had spent time there. I think his dad was in the military mm-hmm. or something, so he had spent time overseas. And I think he's fluent in a couple different languages. Yes, he or speaks something. Italian. Yeah, yeah, right. So, oh, that he. I think that was the story. The shoemaker leaked that he wanted to play in Italy for a couple of years so teams would pass on him so he could end up with the Lakers because that was where his shoe would be the most popular. So don't you think that that whether it's this story about Josh Rosen or any other story, Josh, was it Rosen or Darnold that made it clear, I don't want to play for Cleveland? I uh, was uh, Well, Rosen, it's... A, so I'd rather another, play for the a, right team than be the number one pick. That's or, another thing that's been leaked, though. He's never specifically said that. It's right, been but leaked if, that people close to him think that he wants to play for the Giants. But if you're Josh Rosen and you don't want to be drafted by the Browns, it'd be in your best interest, in your camp's best interest, to put stories out that make you sound bad. So maybe this is coming from, maybe these are sources talking to sources that are actually getting it from Josh Rosen or his agent that he doesn't want, want him to not be number one overall or yes. number four overall. Yes, he might be putting this out here himself. To play these games now, I've got one that's even why can't more... he just come out and say, "Hey, Cleveland"? Like Eli Manning pretty much did that in two thousand four, right? Yes, yes. Hey, and... uh, San Diego. Uh, sorry, not going to happen. This Didn't gets... Peyton Manning do that too? Uh, I don't think he did. Oh, maybe no, I'm thinking. Peyton, I might be thinking no, of the Peyton, early Peyton '80s thinking... draft, the '83 draft, where uh, it was uh, Elway. Yeah, yeah Elway, Elway did, did it. it. Yeah. yeah. So this gets even more ludicrous. By the way, this post by the big lead includes something that I didn't know had been written about Rosen's personality, which, remember, in football, 
you are not allowed to have any personnel. Well, he did. Just before you read this, I remember him. He stood out in that Dilfer camp. They did the Dilfer uh, quarterback camp series on ESPN for a couple years Mm -hmm. when he was a senior or maybe a junior in high school. And Josh Rosen was part of this televised uh, Trent Dilfer camp. The Dilfer 11. And he was the most difficult case of all the quarterbacks for Dilfer. And Dilfer kept talking about how talented he is, but Mm -hmm. how... He's questioning and challenging everything, and it's like, I know what you're doing here, but you're 17, and I'm telling you how you right. can become an NFL quarterback. And he was pretty much annoyed by Josh Rosen's personality the whole time. And then, so it's uh, been a thing for like six or seven years. Well, no quarterbacks would ever be arrogant or full of themselves, or uh, right? Yeah. I mean, and then when a guy succeeds and he's great, he's so great at questioning everything. It's great in the meeting room. Aaron Rodgers. Just doesn't take uh, whatever I say for the answer, right? It becomes the thing that spins back on itself. So, But here's from a Sports Illustrated feature. I did not know this existed, and I am so happy about today. Uh, Rosen has also showed signs of immaturity. Imagine a college student showing signs of immaturity. Two years ago, he and some friends rearranged a neighbor's lawn ornaments in sexually suggestive positions. That's not immature. That's just hilarious. <laughs> I'm like, well... I mean, if it's a neighbor, yeah, I don't want to trespass, but uh, if you get to an age where that's not funny, then I don't want to be around anymore. Was it, were they, I don't cr- want were to they be Christmas that lawn ornaments? Was I don't it, know. Was it like Rudolph and uh, Mrs. Claus? <laughs> it's funny to me now. Who plays Big so Spoon? I don't see it as immature. No, um... Okay, anyway, I, I don't know. It does not specify. Sources close to the lawn ornaments do not tell me how they were aligned. Okay, so uh, since arriving at UCLA, he has set off social media firestorm over presidential politics, deleted at least one provocative Instagram post, and been forced to apologize to the school. The coach is constantly asking Rosen whether he wants to be Peyton Manning or Johnny Manziel. Hmm. Okay, could I, but don't. So I, I'm with you on some of, ornaments. Some of these individual examples are like you're getting a little bit too granular if you're reading too much into them. But, Not a game. But if I am about to pay several million dollars to what I hope to be a franchise quarterback, I'd like to know, and this is the most difficult thing to quantify in these meetings, and I can watch film and know if he can make a throw. What I can't do is get into a room face-to-face with him for more than 15 minutes at a combine or if I get some, some time at uh, the pro day. I don't have enough information about what he's like as a leader and as a person uh, up against adversity. Maybe there's some internal strife in the locker room and I need him to be that beacon and that leader for the team. So I'm going to look for anything I can get my hands on before I'm going to pay him several million dollars to prove that he can be that guy. See, that's why they get so granular with some of this stuff. And they might even just like see ghosts with it too. I don't remember. This is probably some com- a common <laughs> saying, but I, can't recall where I heard it last, but just knowing what you don't know is the most valuable thing that you can have. And what NFL teams don't know is whether his personality will matter or not, because you can find a million examples. Tim Tebow was just the ultimate team, everything, loved God more than you love God, just everything. Hard worker, works out 24-7 when he's not studying the Bible, it's the playbook, like, oh my gosh, marry my daughter this moment and take over my team. And he was stunk. And Johnny Manziel stunk. But also Cam Newton had, he stole a laptop and he took a ton of money and everything else. He's good. Elway with the same thing. He's got all the 
character issues. He's cocky. He's full of himself. He says he's going to play baseball. Plenty of reasons to think the guy's going to be a jackass. And then he's one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Peyton Manning did a really disgusting thing that still haunts him in college. Greatest quarterback ever, probably. I mean, you have, like, there is no way to take some nonsense like what he does with lawn ornaments and compare it to what he's going to do as a franchise quarterback. Whether he's a franchise quarterback or not will depend on whether he can handle NFL throws. See, I think, I think part of the issue here is if you were to just, and this is never going to happen because agents don't want it to happen, agents want to protect their immature quarterbacks from getting too exposed during the pre-draft process, and some team says, wait, this guy really is immature, and we're not going to draft him till the fifth round now. But if you were able to get five hours of FaceTime with a quarterback that you wanted to draft and and have meaningful conversation to flush out someone's personality, you wouldn't have to rely on sources talking to sources about lawn ornaments at the neighbor's house. <laughs> well, and that's right? why... Like, that's what that is. That, like, people are trying to glean things about his personality by hearing a story about, well, his name, like, he put a... He put Rudolph in a precarious position with Dancer. Um, like, well, can I get five hours with the guy? I'd yeah. probably be able to tell if he has leadership qualities if I'm in the room with him for five hours. Yeah, see, I don't know. I don't know because of the age of the guy. And because of what it takes to adapt to be in the NFL, it is so different that like Dak Prescott, I mean, everybody knew that Dak Prescott was a good college quarterback and that had overcome his height and uh, not being a high recruit or anything like that. But then he, A, lands in a great situation, which matters probably most to whether these guys succeed or not. But then he also shows the emotional maturity How would you know in these protected situations in college? But he shows the emotional maturity to handle taking over for Tony Romo in the brightest lights in the biggest spot and really save for an unbelievable play by Aaron Rodgers. He would have had a a playoff win. And and you would have never seen that coming from a guy, right? No matter who you are, no matter what he looked like in an interview room, you cannot simulate that situation. So even though Rosen may come off as kind of a jerk, there are lots of guys who are kind of jerks. Ben Roethlisberger, I know a guy who covers him who told me there's no bigger diva in the league than Ben Roethlisberger. He's the first one to throw up his hands when a receiver gets the route wrong or anything. He's got sexual assault allegations in his past. He acted like a jerk on a golf course once that got him in trouble. Going to the Hall of Fame easy, right? I mean, was he a was he just a super cool, like friendly, classy guy in college and then that changed? I mean, I, I have no idea. You have no you really cannot tell from anything like this. So I always assume it's just nonsense that's thrown out there by either him to try and go to the Giants or by somebody else to try and get him past the Giants. Yeah, I'm very excited for these next especially like the oh, the, I love the, it. the Browns yeah. have two landmines planted in the top five picks for these guys too. Doogie's coming in next. He'll give us uh, the lowdown on local sports scoops. Matthew Collar in for Judd. It's Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd now continue. Get the name right, and then if you're lucky, don't appear. On 1500 ESPN. Doogie is in the house. The Scoop Podcast you can find anywhere you would generally download podcasts. iTunes, 1500ESPN.com. Uh, KSTP.com. What's going on, Dukes? Good afternoon, gentlemen. Good to see you. Did a new podcast last night. NBA analyst David Thorpe was oh, on, former ESPN guy. He's fantastic. He's a former skills trainer. Used to work with Joe Kim Noah, Corey Brewer. I follow him on Twitter. He's awesome. He's fantastic. He doesn't hold back on Tibbs over playing guys. He can't stand Sam Mitchell. Took a couple subtle shots at Sam Mitchell. Oh, really? It's really good. I mean, that's one of those where... I talk for the last 25 minutes of the podcast, you know, note after note. 
So those first 20 minutes, you know, you just you put the quarter in the machine, you just let him go. What did he say about the the usage, the minutes? Well, his point is, if you look at science, if you look at the Spurs, if you look at the Celtics, any number of examples, you know, does Tibbs know something that we don't? Like everybody else is doing it one way, Tibbs is doing it the other way. 3,000 minutes is the benchmark. If you go back and look, if a guy plays more than 3,000 minutes, that's when he really starts to break down. So if you're looking at 3,000 minutes over the course of 82 games, then into the postseason, plus, you know, he brought up, whether it's Derrick Rose, any number of examples of Chicago players, Lou Aldang, Noah, that have broken down. Now, there's no direct relation. We don't know for sure that because Tibbs overplayed those guys in Chicago, that they are now worn out. We don't know that. And oh, by the way, those guys have made a lot of money. You think about Dang, $72 million from the Lakers. Noah, $72 million from the Knicks. So Tibbs put those guys in position to make a lot of money. Yeah, the old thing, he'll get in there once in a while during garbage time with one of those help me, I'm, I can't get up buttons. Who cares, though? The money's there. By the way, if somehow the Lakers can buy out Dang, I don't know how you get to that point with all that money remaining, but the Lakers want as much cap space as possible right. next summer. So if they can find a way in the next few weeks to buy out Luol Dang, He'd come here, huh? I can promise you the Wolves would be all over Luol Dang. But anyway... Maybe the Cavs buy out Derrick Rose? Get the whole band back well, together. Well, I don't know about that, but the leap I made with him was what I worry about is Jimmy Butler. I mean, Jimmy is an MVP candidate right now. James Harden or LeBron James is the MVP but if you think about five, six, seven guys in that mix, DeMar DeRozan and others, Jimmy Butler's firmly in that mix, yep. okay? You are going to extend him as soon as this upcoming offseason. So you are going to pay him into his ages 31, 32, 33 seasons. What sort of player will Jimmy Butler be in four or five years playing all these minutes. Yeah, and then some people would point to, well, LeBron James is leading the NBA in minutes in his 15th year. Genetic he's still a machine, freak. But, he, yeah, that's such an outlier. That is an absolute outlier. Now, maybe Jimmy Butler's in that same conversation. I mean, you think about all the effort he brings, both ends, maybe he is one of those guys. Maybe he is a genetic freak. I mean, the way he trains in the summer is off the charts. So maybe he can play at a really high level when he's 33, 34. But I'm just telling you, I do wonder. I mean, the Wolves are going to keep him. They are going to pay Jimmy Butler a ton of money. All right? What kind of player will he be at the end of that contract? I do wonder. Let's dive into uh, something that I know Matthew Collar's ears perked up when you uh, brought this up off the air. The Vikings contemplating offensive line moving and shaking? So after watching last week with Mike Remmers playing (laughs) guard and them plowing the off- the defensive line at the Chicago Bears, I thought Remmers is like a perfect fit for a guard. In fact, you'd even think about this draft of taking a tackle and moving Remmers to guard. Even though he's expensive, he's like perfectly fit for that with just his power and his quickness. Mm-hmm. And Joe Berger's a great player. He's been around a long time. He could play anywhere. What about the idea, Doogie, of moving him over to left guard? Elfline comes back at center. Remmers stays at right guard, and Rashad Hill stays in at right tackle. They really like Rashad Hill. I can tell you, Matthew, mm-hmm. they are contemplating that exact move right now. Now, no guarantees. It's entirely possible on January 14th when they play the Rams, Panthers, or Saints that Jeremiah Searles is in the starting lineup. But I can tell you, internally, they are having those conversations, You know, putting Searles on the bench, having him be a reserve, because they think the world of Rashad Hill. They also think that Mike Remmers does profile pretty well as a guard. So I can tell you, 
we could potentially see that lineup change on January 14th. Hill in the starting lineup. Searles to the bench, Remmers to guard. And I think Hill played really well this year. I mean, when Remmers had to go out, he had two injuries. He had the concussion, and then he had a back issue that kept him out a couple of weeks, and you, you really didn't notice. And Remmers was a guy that had played really well and that they brought him in and paid him a bunch of money. Usually when you have to go to the reserve tackle, that's bad news. I don't know if people around here would know that. Actually, that was the starting ta- left tackle that was bad news as well last year. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, any kind of tackle was bad last year. But usually when you have to go to that bench, you saw it in uh, uh, Dallas and in Oakland. All-time great offensive lines, best in the league, were just torn apart when they missed one tackle. And the fact that Rashad Hill, a guy that they grabbed off somebody's practice squad last year, could be a difference maker there and even improve throughout the season in his run blocking – I think that's a really good way to make up for Nick Easton being out is to have him start at that right tackle position. Is there any question about Elfline status? I mean, what is he? None. He will be good. He'll yep. be back. Okay. Yes, he will be back. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't on the practice field this week, but I can tell you 100% he will be in the starting lineup on January 14th. And it sounds like Rudolph is going to. So they're, I mean, they're well, really healthy relative to And Kyle to almost pretty much volunteered this information with a handful of us yesterday, but then digging a little bit further. There is no doubt in my mind, if the Vikings were playing this weekend, who knows, maybe he suits up, but it would have been really hard for him to play. Now, how much of a difference that week will make remains to be seen, but I can just tell you, it would have been a massive struggle for Kyle Rudolph to play this weekend. Okay, I have a hot take in, in the form of a question off the Rudolph thing. Is David Morgan a better player than Kyle Rudolph? Um, better blocker. I mean, he can catch a little better bit. Better for the run game. I think he's he, not a better player. I think he might be. Wow. I I, I think he might be, be because now Rudolph Collar and I are on the same hot take what, page. Well, today. he's good. Well, what Rudolph? We got yeah, I, mean, I like Morgan. Morgan back. Sam I just don't Bradford. know if he's quite the level of Rudolph. What Rudolph does in the passing game is probably replaceable. I mean, he doesn't create separation from linebackers or safeties. He ain't so, Gronk, yeah. Right. So he's not running deep seam routes, and uh, he's not quick enough to do that. Basically, what he can do is surprise you when they use him in a screen game because you never see it coming. But David Morgan could do that just fine. And you can throw it to him in the red zone because he's so tall, and, and it's just impossible for people to guard him with a safety when he gets into the back of the end zone. Mm-hmm. He does those two things really well. But even when he's blocking at his best, he's way worse than David Morgan at that. And I I think Morgan is also a house when he gets the ball. Like, he is really tough to bring down. And I would not say that about Rudolph. And now that I've seen Morgan actually catch the ball, like, I mean, Rudolph has great hands. So you could throw it. If he, that if is my in, point. If it's in his he range, he doesn't can. drop balls. I mean, but, he had, what, one drop over yeah, the course but, of the regular season? But I would say that David Morgan has surprised me with his hands. And I was talking to David Morgan one day, and he told me that coming into college, he was recruited as a wide receiver. And then mm. he just put on masses of muscle and looks like Vin Diesel only with really long hair. And then he's, you know, now a, a blocking fullback or a blocking tight end. But if that, if those hands could catch, 40, 50 passes a year. I mean, a lot of them were kind of high percentage throws too with Rudolph. It, it was really rare that they worked him down the field. So I think in this offense, Morgan probably is the better player. Well, then they need to have a conversation heading into next year. If you look they at do. Rudolph's 2018 cap number, do they potentially make a move there? Or uh, at least ask him to take a pay cut, go the and, Jarius Wright route, and the Brian course, Robinson yep. route. If they have to pay $25 million for their quarterback position next year in some combination, they might 
even though they have cap room, they might they be do looking have a lot for of cap places. Room. Yeah, interesting. And you know what? Uh, now it's it's a little unfair because Morgan didn't play as many snaps, <laughs> but Pro Football Focus had Morgan as the seventh best tight end in the entire league. That his hmm? run blocking impact was so high. Uh, and then when he did catch the ball, they threw it to him 12 times. He caught 10. And several of those were on big plays, big third downs. He caught a touchdown in the same kind of way Rudolph catches many of his. And I think in the in the offseason, it's something to think about, especially with the ankle issue here. And there have been other injury issues. You wonder, getting into his 30s, are you talking about more injuries to come? I mean, the best case scenario, I think, though, is you bring both of them back and just have... Two good tight ends. Sure. Yeah. Right. Well, or you could sign a guy. I mean, the kid Burton from Philadelphia fits the profile yeah. Yeah. of the sort of free agent that Rick Spielman loves to go after. He is a good player. He's not quite Zach Ertz, but that would be a name to circle. Is it Trey Burton? Is that his first name, Trey? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I mean, that would be a guy. I mean, he's a free agent. You know, what about going the Burton route? You bring back Morgan, and you say to Kyle, sorry, or he has to take a massive pay cut. Because mm-hmm. you can move on from him at very little dead money. Mm-hmm. From Because I was looking at that as far as how are they going to afford to sign Anthony Barr to a contract extension? You have to do that now. Mm-hmm. And then you're you're looking at signing Stephon Diggs to a contract extension. S- small thing here, because I'm not sure what the percentage is, but if I were Adam Thielen, I'd walk back into Rick Spielman's office and be like, you want to renegotiate that deal? Yeah. Because isn't that only fair that I just had one of the 10 best receiving seasons in franchise history, and don't I deserve more than a four-year, $19 million contract? You, you know what's funny? Uh, Dave found uh, some sort of a, a poll. We did this yesterday. Was it like NFL players voting on the most, the breakout performer of the year? And Adam Thielen was like fourth on that list or yeah, something? It was MMQB. It was Peter King and okay. about 10 other writers. But here's the thing. like His breakout year was last year, but then this year is, is another huge step forward. He went from... A complete non-factor to oh, really good year, almost a thousand yards and a new contract. To holy crap, he's Antonio Brown. I mean, all in like a two-year period, so it's not that ludicrous. Hey, real quick, um, you Darvish. All right, just you. We went over your tweet from yesterday on our show. They can't even schedule a face-to-face with the guy. Well, what's happening? Here's here's what's interesting. It was somebody close to Darvish who I've known for a long time, who gave me that information. I went back to a number of Twins folks. Was it Nelson Cruz? All right. No, it wasn't Nelson Chris. Adrian Beltre. Twins folks went silent. Then that tweet got picked up 24 hours later by MLB trade rumors. The entire league reads MLB trade rumors, all right? So a lot of Twins people then, funny, who I reached out to to verify, okay, didn't get back to me. Then all of a sudden, my phone starts to blow up to a degree saying, yeah, that's not exactly correct. I'm like, okay. I need a little bit more than that. Yeah, we'll just leave it at that. So now I'm wondering, is it the Twins just covering, you know, their butts? Because it doesn't look good, right, that the Cubs got this meeting, the Astros got this meeting, if the Twins can't get a meeting, right? I mean, the fan base is like, come on, Twins, are you kidding me? So is it? So it makes the Twins look bad. It's one of two things. It's either there's really not an actual serious pursuit here or Darvish's camp isn't taking it seriously, or it could be that... Well, Darvish and Thad already know each other, and so well, it's less important so for them to be face-to-face. that's the narrative. If you saw John Heyman's Twitter account last night, then you saw Lavelli Neal's Twitter account, they got that info from the same exact person. Okay. It's the Twins trying to put out a little bit of a fire and These guys already know each tweets. other. Yeah. But yes, there is something to be said about Thad Levine 
does have a solid relationship already with you, Darvish. Heck, you know what talks loudest? Forget a face-to-face meeting, all right? Make him a six-year offer today. You could offer you, Darvish, six years for a lot of money today. Guess what? He's coming here. Now, do I think the Twins are making him a six-year offer? I don't. You know, but we're getting into semantics here. Meeting, no meeting. Can the Twins find a time to meet with him? Can Darvish find time in his schedule? Who really cares about that? The Twins have not made Darvish an offer as of last night. Yeah. Make him an offer. Six End year, this thing. The six years 120. 6-120. Mauer comes Oof. off the books after this year. I mean, that's where it gets dicey. I, I mean, mean, I've I, always thought I would it would do be 6130 or 140. I'd do 5100 today. I would do 5100 today as well. I would. So make him that offer then. As far as I know, they've not made him an offer. I can also tell you that those close to Lance Lynn and Alex Cobb do sense that the Twins are waiting for closure on the Darvish situation. That if Darvish ends up going to the Astros or, who knows, the Mariners are lurking, the Yankees are lurking, the Dodgers are lurking, if he ends up not coming here, the Twins don't ultimately make an offer, you know, then the Twins would be in play on a Cobb or a Lynn. You know, so everything's just in a holding pattern. But I'm just saying, why can't the Twins be proactive? This is just my opinion. Be proactive. Make his agent, Joel Wolf, an offer today. Five years, 100 million. Just start there. Make that a starting point. You don't have to say, hey, take it or leave it. But here's an offer. What do you think? But we're not even to that point yet. It's a failed off season if they don't get a really good playoff caliber starting pitcher. I agree. Do you think, do you still think they will? I do. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Now, if it ends up being Cobb or Lynn or somebody they acquire in a trade, you know, heck, I mean, they've had recent conversations with the Rays. I mean, would Jake Odorizzi do enough for you? Depends, still think it's I mean, hard to get Chris that. Archer. It is, especially after the Sano allegations. Yeah. I mean, I do think the Twins would have been open to Sano for Archer. You know, maybe some other pieces involved. They must I don't know if Tampa show. necessarily would have been open we to that. We should have trademarked that trade idea. Well, heck, Thad was on. He's been on the podcast a bunch, although he's gone silent recently. But he said on a podcast over the summer, hey... There are times where, whether it's MLB trade rumors, Twitter, that, hey, maybe we didn't think of an idea, but there's an idea that's floated out there that we're like, oh, hey, that makes some sense. Yeah, it's really hard to pick up the phone now, though, after last week and say, hey, listen, so we're open on Miguel Sano now. Oh, you are. Well, that's good. And when I got that note, the Twins were not aware of these allegations. You know, some people have said, you know, were the Twins behind the scenes aware of these allegations? Then they floated his name. Then everything came out in public. No, the Twins were not aware of these allegations. Yeah. Uh, good stuff, Doogie. Thanks for coming in. You got it, boys. Take uh, it easy. All right. Uh, go find his podcast, The Scoop. You can find him on 5 Eyewitness News, KSTP.com. Dave, what are you going to ask us when we come back here? I want to get a little bit back into the Vikings, a little Wolves talk, maybe some NFL playoffs as well. Boom. Phil Mackey. Troubled, sensitive, artistic. Judd Zolgad. To alcohol, the cause of and solution to... All of life's problems. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Now on Mackie and Judd. Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance. (laughs) Rick Spielman thinks this segment's going to get wild. (laughs) Wild, Dave. I'm going to put you in the shoes of Rick Spielman then, or in the mind of Rick Spielman for question number one. Let's get back to the Vikings quarterback conversation. The not very hot take, we'll call it a rather warm take, Matthew Collar had, that the Vikings should sign Sam Bradford for next year to be likely in a backup role. But hey, you've got him and you've got the best backup in the league if that's the case. 
Let's play a little uh, sort of a date, Mary kill game. Bridgewater, Bradford, Keenum. You wow. are Rick Spielman today, and you know everything about these guys. You know their past performance. You know what they've done this year. You know injury history. You know the money they are likely going to command on the open market, being that they're all free agents. If you have to make the decision today for opening day next year, the guy you are going to hook your wagon to as the starter, the guy you want as the definite backup, and the guy of those three that you're saying sayonara to, make your selections. Collar? I will have Teddy Bridgewater as my starter. I will have Sam Bradford as my backup. Wow. And I will have uh, Case Keenum wow. getting paid by someone else. To play Soon to be Super Bowl quarterback, now, and you just can't. Now, hey, the Ravens enough. said bye to Trent Dilfer after they won the Super Bowl. <laughs> now, what I need to know, though, that Rick Spielman knows that I don't, is how Teddy Bridgewater's knee has responded in practice. Because the general manager gets all the practice tape. He watches every minute of every practice, just like the coaches do. Mike Zimmer can tell me, as Rick Spielman, what he thinks of Bridgewater. But just taking this from Zimmer desperately wanting to turn to Bridgewater earlier this season and then just finally admitting that they were winning with Case Keenum and sticking with him, uh, that must mean that Bridgewater has looked good in practice. Otherwise, he would have said, oh, yeah, Case is, Case is our guy. He's He's got to be the starter because you know Bridgewater's not really ready for that yet or something like that. There would have been some sign. So if Bridgewater is back to what he was – I think him in this offense going forward is either as good or better and he's younger and there's a bigger sample on him that we've seen him win 11 games before. So I, I would, I would go to him and, and I like Sam Bradford as a backup. If nobody else is going to make him their starter and with his knee and this year, I don't think that they will. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to phrase this in the spirit of your, of the first way that you put it, Dave here, I'm going to date Teddy. I'm going to date Sam and I'm going to kill case. So I'm not going to marry any of them because I don't have to. The only guy that yeah, I would it's have a very to, rich rod of you. It is. I know it's very, yeah, it's a bad climate to be doing uh, this promiscuous game. Um, I, I think with case, you have to either marry or kill, so to speak. You can't date case Keenum anymore because someone else will marry. Him. Someone's like, someone's going to marry case Keenum for a big contract that spans probably three years worth of really good guaranteed money. And I think it's more likely that this is the best you're ever going to see than he has like five more years of this or that there's another level. And so I don't want to fall into this trap of paying a non-top-tier quarterback top-tier money because he just put together a career performance driving a Ferrari. So it's hard because if, you know, as we say that, people are listening saying, well, you're just disrespecting Case Keenum. I mean... I think I think you can acknowledge he's been really really good this year. But if I have these other two potential dating options and maybe some other guys on the market that that I could get for a year or two, the Alex Smiths of the world, I don't have to lock into a long-term relationship with the Case Keenum. So I would date Teddy, I would date Sam, and if I had a chance to still date Case, I would date Case as well. But I'm not going to marry any of these three guys. They haven't earned it. I mean if, if Case wins the Super Bowl, that changes things too. Because that's kind of like with a goaltender. Like Chris Osgood wasn't the greatest goaltender of all time. He's very, very good. You you try to have a goaltender that you know the baseline is we can win this, the Stanley Cup with this goalie. It doesn't have to be a goalie who can drag us to the Stanley Cup every year, but one on a great team that can win it for us, and then we'll keep that guy around. 
And if Case Keenum wins the Super Bowl, then it, okay, all right, well, he's good enough to do that then, and we've got our Super Bowl. So even if this blows up in our face, you'll all forgive us anyway. Because we won a Super Bowl, right? right. Like, see Ravens, Baltimore. Uh-huh. Yes. Last night, Wolves lose by one, 9.7 <laughs> seconds. They inbound to Jimmy Butler. He dribbles around the top of the key for a little while and throws up a long two. That doesn't fall. Like the uh, general consensus of the room top of the show was, yeah, they could have done better, but we're not going to rip Jimmy. I mean, come on, Jimmy's awesome. Let's stick to the first part. They could have done better. Draw it up. What's your plan with 9.7 seconds left? You need a bucket with the Wolves. So before I draw it up here, I, I'd like to know what Tom Thibodeau was drawing up because I remember specifically watching a shot of the huddle mm-hmm. for like 10 or 15 seconds on Fox Sports North in which he had a whiteboard. He was scribbling something. The The starting players were intently listening and then kind of pointing at each other and Towns pointed at Jimmy at one point and okay, they're they're coming up with something. And post game, he said there were three options on the play, I think. Jimmy shoots a 21-footer, Jimmy shoots a 22-footer, or Jimmy shoots an 18-footer. Um, I guess what I would like to have seen, he's so good at getting to the rim, getting contact, drawing a foul, drawing in defenders. You had plenty of time for him to just take off immediately, gets the ball, 10 seconds left, take off toward the rim with six or seven seconds left. He either goes up, gets fouled, or I, I want I want the play to happen within the first five seconds mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. you can either get a rebound or a putback. And if they get the rebound, you can foul them and still have maybe four seconds to maybe you're down by three now and you don't have any timeouts left. You can still go down the court and get up a three-pointer. So that's what I would have done. Jimmy, it's all you, but go go quicker and get closer to the rim. Yeah, come off the screen for the inbound. Catch the ball on your way to the rim. Try to draw people to you and then get the ball to Cat. I mean, it's not like you have one guy who can score. You've got at least two real legitimate star players on the offensive end here, and then you know a number of other guys who are competent as well who could take that final shot. Um, but especially the drive to the basket, it makes defenses really nervous, especially when you only need one point, really nervous to not foul, to give you a chance to, at worst case, you're probably going to tie the game, and best case, you win it there. Uh, and then anyone playing with a slight hesitation against cat and, and plus both of those guys are good at the line too. So if you hand it off to towns and he goes up and he gets fouled, well, you probably win. Yeah. Jimmy is uh there, there's guys who are just, and some of it's the star treatment. And I think he gets some of that too, because he's elevated himself to that level. If there's any question, Jimmy Butler seems to get the foul call. Like yeah. He's just got yeah. to that point in his career. I mean, he's uh, with the bulls. He shot almost 10 free throws per game last year. So he, so he averaged, in fact, I have it in front of me here, Jimmy Butler averaged making eight free throws per game last year with Chicago. So one-third of his points were from the free throw line last year with the Bulls. It's a little bit down this year. Sub-question, if you're Tibbs then and you say there's three options, if options one and two are Jimmy figured out and dished a cat, what's third option if you're Tibbs? I think Jamal Crawford. Yep, think of the same thing. Because they brought him in. And they trust him to take. He can get any. Sh- the, the, the part of the blessing and the curse of the Wolves in that spot is Crawford, Wiggins, Cat, and also Jimmy Butler can all four get almost any shot off that they want to. But it doesn't mean it's a high percentage shot. So sometimes they just fall into the all right. It's one on one. It's isolation, and I'm able to get this shot off, and not a lot of other guys in the NBA are. And we have like four of them here who can do that. There's um, another thing too. It's so sick when you hit that shot. When it's, you, it's true. Isn't it? Oh, man. It is so great. If you're like, all right, this, 
who was it defending him? Do you know? Was it DeMar? I don't Carroll? remember who was. Yeah. Uh, whoever it was is a, looked like a pretty good defender. So they're defending him. They're staying close, whatever. The guy's got his hand right in your face, and you just drop it. I mean, it's the ultimate, like, basketball-type moment. So rather than, like, configuring something that leads to a 45% chance of going in, you'd rather take yeah. the 20% chance because if you hit it, it's going to be yeah. amazing. It's right? so boss when <laughs> yeah. you do. Yeah. <laughs> We had the audio earlier of Chris Sims trying to figure out a John Gruden play callback in the day in Tampa Bay, and that led you guys to talk about how smart you have to be to be an NFL quarterback or even just a player. It's not just football smart. you got to be a smart guy. Well, let's look at it the other way. Give me the position and sport that is easiest to succeed in if you're an absolute dummy. Mm. Wow. At the professional level, it's very hard Goon for and hockey? any of those things. <laughs> Disagree, and I'll tell you why. As a hockey guy, so some of the goons are the smartest guys that you will ever run into. Right, but do you have to be smart to be a good goon? Uh, maybe not necessarily, but most of them are because they are savvy enough to figure out that that's how they can make an NHL career right. for themselves. So I, I agree with that there's, aspect. Well, that, hey, a, I can make like a million dollars if I just become good at fighting. There's another part of it, though, that if you're out on the ice and you're the fourth-line guy who's just there for toughness— and you make mistakes in, in plays, you're just gone because there's a bunch of other guys who could take that spot. So most of them are making the right play almost every single time. They're not scoring, but they're doing exactly what their coach asks them to do in that situation, which is why you see a lot of coaches overvalue that over skill players who will often break the rule. Sure. So I think that position is where you have to be, be pretty bright. Um, I would say, though, like one-dimensional hockey scorer – like guy who just skates up and down the wing and just slams the puck past the goalie or scores a lot of his goals on the power play. That's probably up there for me. That's probably one of the simplest positions. Um, I don't think basketball, anything, I think you get exposed real fast. Like if, if you don't know the plays, whatever golf, do you have to, do you have to have anything for smarts? Dustin Johnson doesn't seem like the sharpest. I think they have a good caddy. There's a fine line between being smart, but also having like control of your emotions too. I think in yeah, golf you have to yeah. have control of your emotions. Um, and I think I, I'll give you one. I think being a closer in baseball. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you have to have control over your emotions. But it wasn't like Rod Beck was a rocket scientist. Okay, handlebar mustache. Yep. Um, yep. Bobby Jenks could throw a hundred miles an hour. Probably couldn't read a book cover to cover, even if even if uh, Dr. Seuss wrote it. I so. think Glenn. relief pitcher is Glenn. Per- <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, Glenn. Oh man, relief Glenn's pitcher. actually one of the like smarter uh, closers probably in baseball the last ten years. Well, a lot of the a lot of the relief pitchers are good when you talk to them. A lot of them do have a good perspective on the game, and it's a little bit of that same thing. There's many people who could be this relief pitcher, so we're going to pick the guy who's best prepared and smart and brings a lot to our room, potentially. You know, things like that. Who was the guy last year for the Twins? They loved him because he was good in the room. Old um, guy. Oh, yeah. Breslow? Um, well, Breslow was one of them. Matt Belial was Belial. the other. Although yeah. Matt Belial, in fairness, went like two months and gave up one run or something. Right, and but he yeah. was throwing like 89 miles an hour, so you've got to be pretty savvy if you're going to be that guy. The flamethrower is the ultimate. Yeah, this guy could be a complete donkey. Just give him the the ball and tell him which direction to well, throw. Well, Kyle Farnsworth was a classic <laughs> yes. example, right? Well, John, super tight baseball John pants. Rocker. John Rocker. John Rocker. Oh, Cross-eyed and racist and just <laughs> pumping 100-mile-an-hour fastballs. 
Jackie and Judd now continue. It's that time again. On 1500 ESPN. All right, Mackie and Judd, Matthew Collar from the Purple Podcast and 1500ESPN.com has filled in for the ailing Judd Zolgad uh, very admirably. A couple hot takes, a couple mild takes. It's been a fun four hours. And you got a car yesterday. I did. You yes. bought your first yes, car. I did. This is your first this car is, that you've purchased? This is the first car that I have actually bought. I have leased before, so I'm coming off of a lease and decided, you know what, I'm going all in. I'm going to buy very... Uh, individually wealthy or what do they call it independently wealthy obviously so you know just i i bought a couple cars actually um i think i also became the first person and this could just tell you how football can bring people together i became the first person to discuss in depth with the guy selling me the car where lamar jackson could be drafted and why colin kaepernick doesn't have a job See, you told me part of the story off the air, and I always find that like any conversation with a stranger involving Colin Kaepernick almost uh-huh. always turns yep. to wild, uncomfortable feelings. So this is a thing. I uh, listen to my wife on most things, but one area where I can't just help myself is when something comes to my mind to just say it, I don't often think like, Boy, this could create an awkward moment. You just say it. Yeah. I just say it that's because true. I think like true. I trust myself on these things, and it happens all the time on jokes where I will make a joke to someone, and I'll be like, "Oh man, that might have gone over real bad." So you know, we were just I'm just talking with the sales guy about Madden and football because he's a football <laughs> guy and I'm a football guy. So like, this takes forever. So let's talk about football. How did you find out that and, he was a football guy? Uh, like, who approached who on the football thing? Uh, like, did you take a shot or did he take no, a shot? No, it started out because he had the same name as a player for the Lions. So I was like, oh, yeah, just like him. And he's like, okay, you know a player from the Lions like that? Like, of course I do. His name is Matthew. Football. So uh, anyway, so that's how, it, that's how it started. And then I was like, well, you know, I mean, uh, if you're a big Madden guy, maybe you know all these players and things like that. So then we started talking about Madden. And I said, it's basically a game hack. If you don't care if your Madden team kneels for the anthem, like real owners shouldn't. So you took a and shot with that one. Yeah, so I did. And I was like, sign Kaepernick to the to the Jaguars, and you're freaking unbeatable on Madden. Because they have Fournette, they've got the great defense. Have they added angry crowds on Madden for <laughs> they, if your team kneels? Because they, they can update the game, they, right? They have not. But like but the stadium's <laughs> only half full in Pittsburgh. Because- and the VP walking out. <laughs> You know, it is a it is a thing though with this or if you make a political comment or any sort of joke where there is always that risk of it going sideways. But I always think like yeah, that's just that's what that's where I'm going to go with it. I'm not, I'm not going to be like inappropriate with anything that I'm saying that sh- you know what I mean? But jokes are the hardest. I- oh my god. Well, there's also like did you guys have the same experience I've had probably five times at family gatherings over the last 3 weeks? Where and I've got family in rural Wisconsin and some. I mean, you never like you, you never. And I'm a little bit more left leaning and, but I'm sitting at a dinner table, one specific uh, family gathering, and I remember one of my relatives asks, "So, uh, what do you think of all this uh, anthem stuff?" Oh boy! And I'm like, I don't know how to answer that. Like I don't like I know what I think about it. But I know that I don't want to ruin the relationship with you right now, and I'd rather just drink this beer and watch this football game that's on without talking about this. Yeah, I just say it. And you know what? In this case, I figured if this does, if this goes wrong, 
this guy still wants my money to buy this car. So, like, what's he going to do about it? Just sit, sit in I, awkward silence it, until it, the paperwork is filled out. It turned out we were very much on the same page on this thing, which is good. So then you're like, we're butts. <laughs> Give me this card. This is High great. five. Right. Yeah, right. Yes. All right. Fist bump, man. We're on the same page with this sort of thing. And if it goes wrong, then it goes wrong and I live with it and have got a story to tell. Yes.